And now, story time with Mr. Black. There's a story about a woman who entered a china shop. And inside the shop, she was admiring all the beautiful china. And then her eyes, as she was scanning the room, came to this beautiful teacup. And her eyes locked onto that cup because she had never seen such a beautiful specimen. And as she was admiring the teacup, it was like a Disney movie, a Disney-esque, where it came to life. And she told the teacup, I, I have never seen such a beautiful instrument as yourself. And the teacup responded, I wasn't always like this. It said my first recollection was I was just a lump of clay sitting on a shelf in the potter's house. And I saw these two large hands of the potter come at me and it took me off the shelf and put me on the potter's table. And I had never been on the potter's table. And then these two large hands came at me again and they started pulling at me, shaping me, forming me. And I said, stop, I don't like it. And in a gentle voice, he said, not yet as he continued to shape me and pull me and form me. And after a while, he stopped. And it felt good to be left alone. But after a little bit, he came at me and he had something in his hands. And he picked me up and he put me into fire. Why? What did I do wrong? It's not fair. Let me out. And he said, not yet. And I kept saying, let me out. It's hot. It's uncomfortable. I don't want to be in here. And he kept saying, not yet. And after a little while, he took me out of the fire. And he put me back on the potter's table. And then he came at me with something in his hands. And he started putting the stuff on me with stroke after stroke. And it was sticky and it was gooey. And I didn't like it. And with each stroke as he painted on me, I'd say, stop, I don't like it. And he'd say, not yet. Not yet. As he continued to paint me with stroke after stroke after stroke after stroke. And after a while, he let me alone again. And then he came at me again with something in his hands. And he threw me into another fire. And this one was twice as hot. What did I do wrong? Why doesn't he like me? What's his problem? And he kept saying, let me out. And he kept saying, not yet. Not yet. I'm not finished with you yet. And after a little while, he took me out of the fire. And he put me back on the potter's table. And it felt good to be out of the fire. And I was questioning myself, what was that all about? And as I'm considering this, he comes at me again with these two large hands. And he puts me back on the shelf. It made no sense. Why did I have to go through all that? What did I do to instigate that? Why doesn't he like me? What's his problem? And as I was pondering all these questions, he came at me again with something in his hand. And I got anxious and nervous. But it was a mirror. He wanted to show me just how beautiful he had made me.
You know, ladies and gentlemen, there's a purpose for the fiery furnace. There's a purpose to separate ourselves from that which is of great value and that which is of little value. And what they do with precious metal is they put it in the fiery furnace and it gets so hot, it puts so much pressure on it that it liquefies the metal. Not because someone's mad at the metal, not because the metal did something wrong, because that metal, which has great value, has something called dross, which has no value. And that is what our opportunities in life are when we go through the process of being under construction. Being a little bit better today than we were yesterday, a little bit better tomorrow than today. Because just like the story, we go through life and sometimes stuff attaches to us that was never meant to attach to us, that has no value, that doesn't add anything to us, but takes away great things from us. And the fire furnace is an opportunity to separate, to find out who we are, to find out what we're made of, to learn how to overcome, to learn the process of picking ourselves up, dusting ourselves off, and hitting again. It's like the story I heard about George Bernard Shaw, the famous writer. Near the end of his life, he was with a group of reporters. And he was asked by one of the reporters a simple question. He said, George, if you could live your life all over again and be anybody you wanted to be, who would you be? And he thought about it for a moment. He said, you know what? If I could be anybody I wanted to be and live my life all over again, I would be the George Bernard Shaw that I could have been. And what he was talking about was living his life all over again without the fear, without the doubt, without the limiting belief systems, without these chains of pain from our past that we bring into other people's future. And they bind us. They keep us from reaching our potential. They make us leave things on the table and come short of our potential, of our goal. It's like in the good book. There's a story in the book of Daniel, the fifth chapter, about three Hebrew boys. And Nebuchadnezzar wanted everybody to bow and worship the image that he had created about how great Babylon is. And the boys knew who they were. They knew why they were here. And more importantly, they knew whose they were. And so they refused to bow down. And so Nebuchadnezzar told them, if you do not bow, I will throw you into the fiery furnace. And all three young boys said, our God can deliver us. And they kept to their values. They kept to their mission. They kept to their purpose. And the good book says that while they were in the fire, Nebuchadnezzar looked in there. He didn't see three. He saw four. He said, didn't we throw in three? But now I see four and one looks like the son of man. And the book says that when they pulled them out, when they walked out of the fire, 
that they didn't even smell like smoke. There was no singe hairs. There was no smell of smoke. Matter of fact, it says the only thing that happened was that the ties that bound them were burnt off. The dross was removed. And we were made for great things. And life is an undulating line. It has ups and downs. It has peaks and valleys. It has high points and low points. And the key is to be careful of what we allow to be attached to our experience. What we allow to become part of our identity. To lower our value. To keep us from being everything that we were supposed to be. Because each one of us has great value. All lives matter. Consider that since the beginning of time, there has never been another person like you. Nobody has your smile, your eyes, your hands, your hair. Nobody owns your handwriting or your voice. In all of time, there has never been another one who laughs in exactly your way. And what makes you laugh or cry or think may have a totally different response than another. You are the only one in the whole of creation who has your particular set of abilities. Nobody has your DNA. Nobody has your fingerprints. No one has the arterial pattern in the back of your retina. No one has your tongue print. No one has your voice qualities. No one has the swing of your gait. See, in life, there's always someone who might be better at one thing or another. Maybe each person in some way could be your superior, but nobody in the universe can reach the quality and the combination of your talents, of your feelings, of your gifts, of your drama, of your trauma. And when used properly, they can all make you into the masterpiece that you were created as, a one of a kind. Because throughout all of eternity, no one will ever walk, talk, think, or do exactly like you. You are rare. And in all rarity, there's enormous value. And because of your great value, the need for you to imitate everyone else is absolutely wrong. You happen to be special. And it's no accident that you are. Realize God made you for a special purpose. He has a job for you to do that no one else can do as well as you can. Out of the billions of applicants, only one is qualified. Only one has a unique and right combination of what it takes. And that one is you. So ladies and gentlemen, embrace the highs, embrace the lows. And when you get knocked on your butt, by an obstacle in life, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you hit it again. Because the book of wisdom says, a righteous person will stumble seven times, but get back up. But the wicked will stumble into ruin. You have been listening to Mr. Black, Master Trainer for Like It Matters. Please find us on Facebook by searching LIM Radio. Make sure to follow us, like our posts, and share with others. Also, search YouTube for Like It Matters. Be sure to like and subscribe to our channel. 
And for more information on how we can help you live life like it matters, go to likeitmatters.net where you can find more information on our transformational training, our life coaching, counseling, our radio show, and other ways we help you continue the journey of living life like it matters. 